Untitled MMA Podcast, February 18th, 2020. Coming off of UFC, Rio Rancho. It was me rolling my R's. How'd you feel about that? You didn't roll a single R. Rio Rancho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and another card this weekend. Don't know where that's at. Uh, Probably the fucking... Oh, no, it's in Auckland. I remember. I almost yes. said the Middle East, and that did not sound right. No, not at all. Uh, before we get started, I'm Buju. I am Brendan. I'm Bryce. Whoa. Bryce. I'm Bryce. <laughs> Bryce. <laughs> My voice quit out on me for a second there. Um, so like I said, coming off of USC Rio Rancho, which was headlined by Corey Anderson and Jan Blakovich. All of us picked Corey Anderson. All of us were wrong. And I don't think any of us would have predicted that it ended the way it did with Corey Anderson getting knocked out pretty quickly in less than one round and pretty easily. Uh, I think that's a pretty tough loss for Corey Anderson. That, there's, that's that's a lot to come back from. Yeah, I agree. Um, it seems because I didn't watch this fight. I only saw the actual knockout. Um, it sounded like uh, he was laying. He was uh, patting uh, Jan pretty early on, just peppering him with strikes, not doing anything real significant. So. Uh, it's definitely a tough loss, but it's also something that shows a bit of a concern for Jan going forward against the guy that's better at it than anyone else at just peppering you with strikes. Here's the thing. Unless Brennan had some thoughts he wanted to give right Yeah, there. I have some thoughts. Okay. Um, I was kind of, I was just, uh, I don't know if you guys sent it to me or how I saw it, but it was just disappointing. I thought I was going to be correct in my prediction for Anderson, and I was not, so I was a little disappointed in that. But for the potential fight between Jan Blockowitz and John Jones, I'm excited. Yeah, I, th- I am too. I think I did not think Tiago Santos had a chance going into his fight against John Jones. I didn't think Dominic Reyes had a chance in his fight going against John Jones. And in my opinion, if those two have a chance, I don't see why Blockowitz wouldn't. Blockowitz, in my opinion, has a chance, but less of a chance than Reyes had. Before and after coming into the fight. I think they're all comparable. To me, and this is what we discussed at length last week, whoa, John Jones is becoming, a, or it's, it's, we're starting to notice that John Jones is a slow starter. If he goes in there and starts slow against a guy who can power punch like Bukovic has proven he can done, then John Jones may be in trouble early. I. Hello? Okay. That was weird. <laughs> But I think a power striker is less likely to win the multiple rounds needed to beat John Jones than a yeah that would pressure be pressure striker. That's the thing; he would be less likely to win a decision. But then again, we don't even know that because we haven't seen him go into deep rounds lately. He's been finishing early, so which is kind of, the Jacare fight, right? Which is a similar story to Reyes, so it's kind of hard to give an input on it when they're both when they both entering the fight had the same type of level where they're knocking people out and then it's hard to predict how something how you think a fight will go when the fight's been going one way for, for this particular fighter and i think at light heavyweight blakovich's resume of late has been more was more is more impressive than reyes's was going into his fight with jones would you agree with that bryce because i know you disagree with everything else before you start your side of it i don't necessarily disagree with what your guys are saying um and right now I'm looking up to see what exactly his recent resume is. I do think that the Corey Anderson fight is, and also the fact that he beat Jacare in a uh, split decision. I think the only 
his only good win recently is the Anderson fight in his recent run because Lukovic? he knocked out yes because he knocked out Luke Rockhold, which we can safely as he was middleweight. He knocked out a middleweight, then he beat a middleweight in a decision, and then he finally so, fights a legitimate number one contender fight. Are you just I'm talking thinking, about his resume in general? Or are you saying in comparison to Dominic Reyes? In I mean, if you want to compare it to Dominic Reyes. Well, Reyes yeah. beat Chris Weidman, so I think that and Rockhold cancel each other out. Yeah. So that takes that away. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Let me pull up Reyes's while you Yeah, have. pull up Reyes because I don't have his up oh, right now. That. I have, I have Blakovich is up. My phone Speaking is- of Blakovich, I was watching uh, Chael Sonnen because I subscribed to his YouTube channel, and I just hear his takes. Oh, yeah. He Every time he would say his last name, he would say it different. I think I do the At same thing. Points, I think at I've... some points, though, he was like throwing in letters that aren't even there. He threw in a few ends a few times. It's like, what are you doing? He might be doing that on purpose. He might be. Well, I'm going to get a little woke on that. Okay, so the last fight, Race's last fight was obviously a quote unquote, doing the finger quotes, loss to John Jones. Before that was a knockout against Chris Weidman. So we've agreed that Weidman and Rockhold cancel each other out when you're talking yeah. about Reyes and Blakovich's resumes. Before mm-hmm. Chris Weidman was Vulcan Uzdemir. Mm-hmm. Which, what was before Rockhold? Uh, he lost to Tiago Santos. I'm only going off because he has a three-fight win streak, so I'm going off of a knockout against Rockhold, a split decision against Jacare, and then this Corey Anderson. Fight. And that's the thing with Reyes is that he, he had was, a, a quick rise to Yeah, he was undefeated. Reyes. He was an undefeated 12-0 going into that fight with Jones. But his UFC wins are Joaquin Christensen, which I've never heard of, uh, Jeremy Kimball, which is not that impressive. Jared Cannonier, very impressive win. You got to give that to him. Um, that was before Cannonier dropped down. Who to is now though uh, middleweight? Yeah, and started, and he looks his best at middleweight. Um, OSP, mm-hmm. that's just not impressive to me. I'm sorry. Volkan Uzdemir is eh, uh, especially of late. He looked a lot better at one time, but I think we're kind of seeing the base level Volkan Uzdemir now, and Chris Weidman, which just is not a win at all. <laughs> I mean. You have to win so the fights you're in. I say that after going through that, I'm more impressed with Dominic Reyes's run because he's just beat more somewhat prominent guys. Because in this most recent run, Jan has beaten two middleweights that went up in weight, and then Corey Anderson. Which, in, I mean, he knocked out two of them and went the distance. And so well, I can't if, fault him. You got to beat the guys that are in front of you. But I think just the names and the fact that he hasn't lost in the UFC. I'm going to give the edge to Reyes. But if but, you're going to do that with um, Blakovich, then you have to do that with Reyes, too, because he fought Jared Cannonier and Chris Weidman, who are two middleweights, and then OSP. I mean, he also beat Vulcan Uzdemir. He beat OSP and Vulcan Uzdemir, whereas uh, he on- Jan only beat Corey Anderson. I just think And Jacare. That's a middleweight, though. But Jacare, the middleweight that's... Fuck. Uh, Blakovich beat are better than the two middleweights that. Well, I don't Reyes think beat. that Jacare right now beats Jared Cannonier. In does he in at middleweight May twenty eighteen though? Uh, I don't know, but he fought Jacare in November of twenty nineteen, and just... so, and I mean we're seeing now the best version of Jared Cannonier, whereas we're seeing a diminished version of Jacare right now. So, I think I just think that Reyes has the more impressive thing. But either way, none are terribly impressive. But I will say, all in all, that this 
the situation at light heavyweight kind of gives life to a once dead division. Cause I mean, he has two, John Jones has two potential fights right now. Corey Anderson is a couple finishes away from being again in that picture. If Johnny Walker can get his life together and uh, recoup after that tough loss to Anderson, he's not too far away and he's only going to get better. So, so with, I'm kind of on the, your boat where you said last week that I don't think John Jones is going to go to heavyweight. He doesn't want those problems. With Blakovich coming off the knockout win over Corey Anderson, who do you give John Jones next? Is it Blakovich, or do you do the rematch with Reyes? Blakovich has to be. A lot of it seems like the majority of people are saying a rematch with Reyes. That's because they're still on the recency thing about him getting robbed. It's not going to go well. He needs to go away and fight a couple other guys and get some, learn some more things before he fights John Jones again. And it's not even going to be a couple more guys. He only needs one more win, and he's definitely getting another title shot. Yeah, I agree. If he goes and fights Corey Anderson, he's which he'll beat Corey Anderson, he's going to come back and fight John Jones again. So, I feel like the fight for him is Tiago Santos. If yeah. Santos is healthy, I don't know if his health situation is the thing. Um, what was I about to say? And I think a f- another fight for Dominic Reyes is only going to help him. Obviously, you have the uh, risk of losing, but going in there and getting another fight under your belt, getting a little more comfortable in the octagon, getting a bounce-back win after the quote-unquote loss, I think that's only going to help him moving forward. And, this, and I agree. And going into another fight it, with the greatest of all time. Yeah. I, and I, I just think that the longer he can avoid fighting John Jones again, the better, because he can add more tools to make it make him a bit different of a fighter than the first time. Because if he goes in with an immediate rematch with no new weapons in his arsenal, it's not going to go well. Because John Jones is not going to lose a rematch. So what do you think about the matchup of Blakovich and Jones? I think that Blakovich has less of a chance than Santos and less of a chance than Reyes. Because I think Santos is better at what Blakovich has shown he can do recently. That being a power puncher. I don't disagree with that, but I don't know if Blakovich's fucking knees are going to explode in the middle of the fight either. I don't know either. But, I mean, going strength by strength in their best chance of winning, Santos is better at that. And Dominic, I, I think that Dominic Reyes is a more complete fighter than both of them. You don't think Blakovich being a younger fighter than Thiago Santos helps him out a little bit as far as he- those two head-to-head in comparison to... Is he younger? John Jan is 36. How old is Thiago Santos? Thiago Santos was over 40 when he fought Jones. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure he's like 41. See, now I'm that questioning sounds... it. I don't know if that's real, but that I feel like so that's fake. true. <laughs> Maybe he's 39. I don't know. He was old. He's 36. Oh. Now. So, no, there is no advantage there. Fuck. His picture on Tapology. Oh my God. I don't know how anyone would want to fight that guy. Why did I assume he was so old? <laughs> I have no idea. I've been living my life it, thinking Tiago Santos fought, fought John Jones like 41 years old. <laughs> I don't know, friend. But uh, I, no, to answer your question, I don't think that uh, that will obviously play a factor because Jan will actually be older than Santos was when they fight. So we're all in agreement uh, that Jones. Blakovic should get the next fight against Jones. Correct. And Dominic Reyes should fight Santos if healthy, but if not, then... A warm body. A warm body. Yeah. Can you blow up the rankings for light heavyweight? I'm just curious as to the depth of the division beyond the obvious guys right now. Uh, Like you said, it was such a fucking dead division not that long ago. And it's amazing what two guys can do. Two decent 
contenders can do to breathe some fucking life into a division. Because light heavyweight mm-hmm. feels a lot more deep than it was even like four months ago. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see, light heavyweight. So, who's blowing into the microphone? It's Bryce's nose. I'm, yeah, it might have been me. Um, so I'm just gonna go down the list. Dominic Reyes is one. Santos is two. Anthony Smith is three. DC still ranked at heavyweight at four. Corey Anderson five. Jan at six. Vulcan Uzdemir at seven. Gus at eight. Glover Teixeira at nine. Rakic at ten. Johnny Walker eleven. Serkinov, Nikita Krylov, Jacare, and then Shogun. See, so now outside I've, of those few, it's still not very deep. I feel like there's a decent seven or eight guys in that division, though. It's yeah, just, which it's just is, there's that step from John Jones to everybody else. It feels like, and maybe that gap is closing with like Dominic Reyes. Oh, I just think showed that us. those the, his last two fights have shown that the gap is closing. Do How you think, much we'll find out? You think it's the division getting better? Or you think it's John Jones slowing down a little bit? Part of it, for sure, is the fact that John Jones is. I mean, he's losing rounds by n- starting off so slow. And I would imagine that part of it is the fact that he has so much time in the octagon that people can learn more about his game. And I don't know if it's necessarily being better the rest of the division or being uh, better studied against a specific opponent. Right. Uh, Your thoughts, Brendan, on that? I lost my chain of focus by looking at a photo. The gap. Is it John Jones slowing oh, down yes. or the rest of the division? I going? think it goes both ways. I'm a big 50-50 type of guy, though, so I do that a lot. But I think <laughs> Brendan and old sitting on the fence, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the fact that the division is getting younger, like you got Shogun who's fighting less, and just people that from a I'll, decade ago yeah. who were fighting in this division, they're starting to go away. The era that John Jones fought through to get to the belt, is starting to go away. Yeah, and we're starting to get younger people. Not necessarily, not, maybe. Not even necess- some of these guys aren't even necessarily younger. Like Tiago Santos is thirty six. It's just a new gen- is thirty six, but it's a new yeah. generation of fighters it, for sure. Shogun or uh, Tiago Santos feels fifteen years younger than Shogun Hua. <laughs> yeah, and, and they might probably be older. not even four years apart. I, I mean, Shogun's not even forty. I don't think he might be thirty. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, age is not just. I mean, obviously, age. Is what you think of when you say young, but MMA young is different too. How much you've been fighting in the game determines how young you are. But it's saying that yeah, Shogun's only thirty eight, so there's a two year age difference. But he's been fighting so much longer. I feel like yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, at least he's also been level. in the UFC and Pride. He's been in the yeah. biggest moments since the sport has really been like somewhat prominent. Fight age is such a thing. Like you're. Your fight age is can be years ahead or years behind of your actual age. Up until I would say this year, Yoel Romero was not a fucking forty-two-year-old in the cage. You know what I mean? Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's the thing with MMA is you could be a fucking old twenty-eight-year-old or a young forty-three-year-old. It's such a mm-hmm. spectrum. Yeah, uh, most of the time, if you're a young forty-three-year-old, you're a heavyweight. But yeah, I'm just, I definitely understand. But even Yoel Romero's a middleweight, and he was looking like crisp at 41 years old. That's crazy. Daniel Cormier's mm-hmm. in his 40s. Obviously, yeah. he's a heavyweight, but I'm just saying. Dan Henderson had a title shot at like 45. Yeah. <laughs> Whether that it was deserved wild. or not is a question, but. Brendan's just loving cars in the Daytona 500 as we do the podcast. Which one are you talking about? The one with like the shark 
from Al Bubba Wallace. We're watching the Daytona 500. We're recording this on Monday. Daytona 500 gets late from Sunday. So a little bit of time travel going on on the podcast right now. All I'm saying is that you are proving the type of demographic that UFC is targeting, friend. I... You are proving it. Don't even try to deny it. You're watching the Daytona 500. I don't think Stop the it. UFC has a uh, a redneck stereotype, though. I feel like it's a fucking oh, what? hardo guido fucking <laughs> stereotype. You think MMA they definitely has a have a redneck stereotype. MMA? Oh, yeah. I disagree. I feel like it's fucking meatball or fucking meatheads. I think that Like dudes with faux hawks that wear tap out shirts. I don't feel like that's redneck. They have that too. You can have more than one stereotype. What's the stereotype for NBA fans, Bryce? I don't know if there is. I think it's a very diverse <laughs> sport. It's worldwide, baby. Uh, but to finish my point before I kept getting interrupted, John Jones is also on the decline because he's obviously getting older, more so in fight years than age years, but it's obviously both. He's getting worse and worse. His skill set is just not on the uprise compared to other fighters, which makes him look worse. So I think it goes both ways. Yeah, I think his skill set is stagnating, whereas other people are learning what he brings to the table and can better counteract it. But no one's been able to beat him, according to a majority of judges. And I also think that John Jones's aggressiveness is largely responsible for that. At a younger age, he was much more aggressive. Like stuff like him not tapping out, shit like that. You know what I mean? Just stuff that you'd be more willing to do at a younger age. And the fact that when he first fought for the title, when he was like 23, went in with, what, a flying knee, was it? Or something like that? I believe so, yeah. I mean, that his wild man antics are away, and with that comes a less interesting fighter. And we saw the same thing with GSP, where he was a much more aggressive fighter at a younger age, and then started wrestling his way to, to decisions once he got older. So maybe that's just the traje- trajectory of a great fighter, is their, the ways they go about getting their wins change as they get older. Yeah, which I think they should because, I mean, if you fight the exact same way your entire career, that's a good way to get found out. But I would say that his he needs, I think, to change up a couple things if he wants to remain king because, I mean, if he keeps fighting the way he does, someone is going to beat him in a decision. Now it's going to be my next decision. Based on what we know right now, do you feel like John Jones retires undefeated? I don't, th- I don't think it's nearly as clear-cut as it was before the Reyes fight. Because I thought that going into the Reyes, no one could touch him at 205, but I li- thought he lost to Reyes. Because so. even, like you said, going into the Reyes fight, I would have said um, John Jones isn't necessarily the best fighter on the planet anymore, but a lot like we were saying about Tyron Woodley before he lost, he's just a hard fighter to beat because of the style that he fights. And I think Reyes and Tiago Santos, even though... The Santos one you could you could go into denial a little bit about because in my opinion that's the first time we saw that. Some people say the Gustafson fight would be the first time we saw that, but I don't see that as close as most people do. So the Santos fight for me was the first experience of like, wow, John Jones is human. Um, and then going into the Reyes fight, it kind of proved that not only is John Jones human and can have an off night, but he's very beatable now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we had that before. Yeah. Although I will say I cannot see a world where John Jones gets worked the way that Kimmer Usman worked Tyron Woodley to take his belt. No, but I would think you it would be a close. But I mean, I didn't you, think oh, that Tyron shit. Woodley could get worked the way that he did yeah, either. That's what so I was gonna say, 
we got to reckon Daytona 500. William Byron's in the infield wall. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, and it's, that's what MMA is. Fucking hindsight is twenty twenty. We'd have never thought Ronda Rousey would get worked either. We'd have never thought GSP would come back off a fucking four year layoff and beat, uh, uh, Bisping. I wouldn't have thought Conor McGregor was going to get choked that out. that one the- though. So. I think a lot of people thought that one. I'm saying, like, as time goes by, you're not saying, well, GSP's going to come out of retirement and fucking win after four years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't think anybody would have predicted that Conor McGregor's going to get choked out, even though now it's like, well, yeah, Nate Diaz is a jiu-jitsu guy. We've never seen Conor's uh, cardio tested. We've never seen somebody truly get him to the ground and try and work there. So hindsight is 20-20 in MMA, as is with life. Yes. If he, if he fights more than three fights, he's probably likely to end up losing at some point, no matter what division it's in. The longer he I fights, the more I don't see him retiring anytime soon, I will say that. Yeah. I feel like John Jones is going to fight for another like four or five years. Which is to his detriment when it comes to his legacy. If it depends, I guess it depends how you define legacy, but I think the biggest part of his legacy is him being undefeated. And if he loses... That diminishes it slightly. I don't. I know we talked about it going or a lot. I know we talked about it going into the Reyes fight. I don't remember if we uh, came back to it last week. But if John Jones were to go up to heavyweight right now, we've already all agreed that we think Francis beats him. But how do we feel about like a Stipe Miocic? I know that I said that I think Stipe works him. I don't think it's. I don't think John Jones can beat Stipe. I don't the know way about, that he fought Reyes. I don't know about working him, but I do think Stipe would win that fight if you announce it right now. I'm trying. I'm fighting off a fucking burp. That's why it sounded like. I'm I dying. think John Jones wins the last three rounds to win to win the fight. I mean, that's if he doesn't get knocked out in the, or dropped and significantly hurt in the first two. I agree with you that he would win a decision. I, I don't think well, he's gonna get dropped. I don't. I think that. I mean, that's when Stipe turned it up when he's getting his uh, behind mer- worked by DC though. So Did you say bull. I mean, Stipe can turn it up too. Did you say bull? His behind worked. No, but like what I, when you first started talking, I thought you said bull in response to oh, what, like bullshit. oh, I don't think so. I feel like I said but. Oh. Um, but John Jones is also a true light heavyweight, and I I think his cardio would be a bit better at heavyweight than DC's is, even though DC's a true heavyweight. I guess it also depends what type of uh physique he shows out with when he goes to heavyweight if he tries to beef yeah. up to match the size and obviously that's all hypothetical but i'm just saying as it sits right now john jones is so much more beatable and i think there's a lot more guys at heavyweight that i would pick that i would be closer to picking against john jones than i was two weeks ago and if that fight yeah. happens i think it's a john jones fight more so than a Stipe fight it's going to be a john jones pace a john jones like striking, how much strikes are going to be thrown, how much significant strikes are going to be landing. I feel like it's going to be a John Jones fight, which obviously goes to his advantage. Because that's a good point, too. Do you feel like Stipe is the aggressor in his fights the majority of the time? I don't. No, but I also feel like a John Jones fight also is similar to a Stipe fight. But that's what I'm saying is when John Jones, when you're not pressuring John Jones and he can just kind of hang back and get in his leg kicks and uh, uh, short combos whenever he wants to and you're not pressuring him to fight your style i feel like that's when he's at his best when he can do his own thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. how would you feel about like a curtis blades we just haven't seen john jones use his wrestling and we haven't had him nobody tries to take down john jones except for dc so we don't and have he didn't have a lot of success and curtis blades is a fucking monster like when we were at that fight a, in nashville mm-hmm. 
I don't remember who he fought in Nashville, but he was literally picking that dude up and slamming him to the ground. So. Some guy that's no longer in the oh, UFC, uh, I know. Justin Willis. That's right. Obviously, John Jones significantly better than Justin Willis. But I'm just saying, Curtis Blades, a lot of the time, can wrestle at will. Can John Jones stop that? I don't know. Yeah. There's a few heavyweights looking at the top 15 that uh, I'm not sure he would beat. But Francis has made Curtis Blades look like a fool twice. So Yeah, even like going into that second fight against him when they fought in China, I was not very sure how that was going to go because mm-hmm. Francis Ngannou was, at that point, still not Francis Ngannou again. Yeah, that was broken. And Curtis Francis. Blades was showing that he can uh, work some dudes at the top of the division, and then he got murked. Um, so let's, I guess we'll talk about heavyweight a little bit because we don't have any fucking topics this week. Um, so Stipe's the champion right now. We don't know if he's going to be defending against Daniel Cormier or Francis Ngannou next. But it's go- going to be one of those two, I think we could all assume. Unless right? Jarzinho wins in Yeah, March. but I mean, like I said, it's going to be France Ngannou or Daniel Cormier. <laughs> uh, how do we feel about the title picture after that fight? I think we're all assuming Francis becomes the champion, whether it's the next fight or the fight after, right? I think 100%. Francis Ngannou is going to be UFC heavyweight champion at some point. So I don't think it's going to take very long. When he does become the champion, and like I said, we're all assuming it's very soon, is he just going to be the fucking dominant champion in that division for a long time? No, 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 no. No? I don't think so. I just think that unless he can improve his uh, entire game, I mean, that Stipe fight kind of showed his main flaws in the fact that he couldn't stop the takedown against a pretty good wrestler in Stipe. And then when he got super tired, he couldn't, he didn't have that same killer instinct. But that was broken Francis. Like, we're back to Francis, the Francis of old, or at least a new Francis, where Curtis Blades is probably the best wrestler in the UFC, or at least the most dominant wrestler in the UFC. And Francis fucking, I don't know what word I was going to go for there. Flatlined but he embarrassed him. Power striking is yeah. never sustainable. It just isn't. So Francis Ngannou is not going to stick around as champ and be dominant compared to a wrestler or anybody else. His I, style just doesn't set him up to be that way. I agree that power striking isn't sustainable, but we've never seen power striking like Francis Ngannou's either. Does it, I, just I will don't say, feel though, like, he also doesn't have to be like a John Jones-level dominant champion to be the best heavyweight ever. Yeah, if he has five successful defenses, he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. Three. Yeah, I uh, mean the like, record is three right now. He, but I'm just if saying, if he knocks out Stipe and then defends it three times consecutively, we might be talking about the greatest heavyweight. If we get and Francis, if he gets close to that, I'm gonna be riding that bandwagon until <laughs> it comes to fruition, friend. If we get Francis versus Stipe next, and Francis wins that, does Stipe get a rematch? No. Because the way that it would go, he would get flatlined. He didn't deserve the DC rematch. Why would he? If he loses to Francis, what he if, do, he has to fight someone else. What if Francis fights a fucking loose five round decision win? <laughs> he's just he's fucking <laughs> light on his feet the whole time. He's landing nice little combos. I would love that, but I also <laughs> want him to absolutely murder Stipe. I want him to murder everybody. It's nothing against Stipe. I, and that's the point, I guess. To you and Brendan, him not being a dominant champion. If somebody can't afford or avoid the strike and turn it into a fucking trench war where they're right on top of each other and Francis can't get off big bombs and you're just touching him for two, three, four, five rounds, I don't know how Francis is going to last in that environment either. We haven't seen him try to weather that storm. 
I will say, though, he is, especially in that second fight against Blades, he did a very good job stopping those takedowns, creating space to land those bombs. What is the Francis? The Francis. What's the strategy to beat Francis? Like, did you just run like crazy for two rounds, make him use his gas tank, and then try and do something? Because we saw Alistair Overeem try to hang on for dear life, and that did not work out. He got decapitated. Yeah, because yeah, the first exchange that they actually had in that fight, like that was um, Overeem's strategy was for at least a while, hang on to him for everything you're worth, and he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean the strategy you have to look at what broke him for uh, like six months. That the being the steep fight, you have to try to, I mean, uh, hit him and stay light on your feet for a round or two, and then uh, for all five rounds, you have to avoid the strike because I mean, as steep uh, figured out in that fight, he still hits hard, and that's the thing, it like, goes on, even if you gas him out and it's late in the fourth round and you've won three straight rounds now, if he gets one strike off, you still could go to sleep no matter who you are. Steep has a mm-hmm. good. Has a good chin, had a good chin. We don't know how it is now after he suffered the knockout against Cormier. That was after the Nganu fight. But if you don't have an excellent chin and he lands that shot, you're going to sleep. And yeah, I, I don't 100%. feel like a lot of heavyweights have that great chin anymore. I can't think. Looking at the list, there might be like maybe two or three guys in the top 15 that could take that shot. Yeah. You just got to successfully take them down. Whether you get there or not, it's the big question mark. It's hard. It's, I, it's hard because I mean that I mean now he's drilling with the French national wrestling team. That's what he does in between. That doesn't camps. make him a good wrestler, though. I mean that literally improves his wrestling with a wrestling the best wrestlers in France. That's how that works, friend. Then everybody would start training with the best teams and become automatically good wrestlers. That's not how it works. I, he doesn't become- have to be a good wrestler; he just has to be good at defending the takedown. Will and he, I mean, he, he showed this? since the Stipe fight that he's improved, when, most notably in that Curtis Blades fight. I agree. He's going to improve. I mean, that's common <laughs> sense, but to say he's going to out-wrestle... Or out- I didn't say he's going to out-wrestle him. I just said he has to avoid the takedown, and that's what he's been drilling to do. He's not going to have to change as a fighter. His fighting style still needs to be land the strike and win. Go home early. I can agree with that. Do you want to get get into? I can never say this sentence. I have to say it every fucking week on the show, and I can never just get it out. Do we want to get into picks for this weekend's card? Sure. <laughs> we need to work on it, though. I friend. stumble through it every fucking time I have to ask that question. Anyways, this weekend's card is in Auckland, New Zealand. It's a decent enough card. I think it's comparable to this last weekend. A lot of one name fights, if you know what I'm saying, like one name against a name you've never heard of. Angela Hill's on this card. You got Jake Matthews versus Emil Mech. There's some decent enough fights on this card if you're a hardcore fight fan. I think you'll find it interesting. But as far as the main card goes, I think we only have one really strong fight, and that's the main event. We're only picking three fights on this card. The first one being former uh, women's strawweight title challenger Karolina Kovalkiewicz, a plus 175 underdog against Yan Xianon. <laughs> That's probably not how you say it. Probably but. not. Uh, Yanex. Um, Kovacavich has three straight losses. She's lost five of her last seven. Her last win was in April 2018. For somebody who I think at one time we all thought could have been the third or fourth best women's fighter on the planet, she has fallen off the face of the earth. She doesn't have a quality win in forever. 
Um, I can't even doesn't have a win at all in forever. Yeah, three in a row, five over last seven. Last one was April twenty eighteen. Meanwhile, her opponent has nine straight wins. Not any super impressive names on that list, but she does have a win over Angela Hill. That being the most impressive on her resume. Uh, I just don't have any faith in Kovalevich anymore. I'd like to see a little more out of Yan as we move forward, but in this fight with recent history, uh, I think Kovalevich takes an L. I have Yan as well. She's eleven and one and one in, in the past ten years. So, well, since two thousand ten, so roughly ten years. It depends the months, obviously, but it's a pretty good record for the last ten, 10 years. I would say I would go with her. And like you said, Kovalevich has been on the, the decline. Yeah, it's wild that uh, a poor woman's Joanna Yangjacek is the comparison that we had for her. And she is just, I mean, she got choked out by Claudia. Then she beats a nobody in Jody Esquivel. She gets a split decision against Felice Herrig. Gets then knocked out by Andrade. Gets beaten uh, decisively by both Michelle Watterson and Alexa Grasso. It's crazy how much she's fallen off, truly. I'm also going to go with Yan here. I just think that... I mean, she's getting, she hasn't lost in the UFC. Like you said, I definitely would agree that we'd like to see more out of her, but it's one of those things. You can only beat the people that they put in front of you. So she has done that, and I expect her to continue to do that. I also did say that wrong. Yan is 11 1 1, and she has only lost in 10 years. That's not her record in 10 years. She so hasn't lost in 10 years. Yes. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Crute is a plus 115 underdog to Michael. Alexa chick, probably. It's a Polish name. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are hard. I have one myself. Um, but, oh my god, I fucked up his first name. The last name's so hard. Mikal probably relies more on striking, while Crute seems to be a little more comfortable grappling, including a Kamora win over Paul Craig lately. While striking is obviously a very dangerous part of the game, and when you face a brawl or anything can happen, I feel like in a fight where somebody is a little more comfortable grappling and has some really nice submission wins, I think the advantage leans in their favor a little bit, and I'm going to go with Crute as the underdog in this fight. I have Crute as well. Um, Michael... How you say his last name? I'm re- I rely on you guys for the freaking names. You guys are supposed to come through in the club. When you throw in uh, Poland, it's a crapshoot because it doesn't pronounce how it yeah. looks. Poland, when you're born, I think they just reach into a fucking box of those those little those crackers that are letters. I think they just reach into a box of that, drop it on a table, and whatever it sort of arranges as, that's what your last name is. Honestly, I don't doubt that. that. That's how mine looks. Anyways, they're both coming off losses. They're not impressive losses. Uh, Michael lost to OSP. Krut lost to Misha Sarkinov. I think that's a little bit better than OSP, but that's why I'm kind of going to go with Krut because he has a less impressive or more impressive loss. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah. Both of these guys are coming off of some wild submission losses. Misha Sarkinov beat uh, Krut with a Peruvian necktie, <laughs> and then Michelle lost via, obviously, Von Fluchoke to OSP because Saint that's Fruchoke. all that OSP could do. That's all. That's the only way you can win. The Von <laughs> Honestly, it's really crazy. Um, I'm also going to go with Jimmy Krut here. I'm surprised that everyone here is going with that. I think it's one of those things where it seems like uh, – I mean, Michelle, he's he's lost more times, and two of his losses are via choke. And it seems like Crute, again, is more comfortable grappling, and he also has gotten a few knockout 
wins in the process, including to get into the UFC and against Sam, Smile and Sam Alvey. So I feel like he can get it done. And, I mean, he's also uh, an Aussie boy, so this is pretty close, right? I feel like those two countries are fairly close. Australia and Poland? No, New oh, Zealand. Yeah, they're right next to each other. Yeah. So it's basically uh, a home fight. College boy over here. Uh, The main event. I think this is a very good fight. I'm a big fan of this main event. Dan Hooker, the uh, fighting in his backyard in Australia here, is a minus 155 favorite against our good friend. He's he's fighting out of Auckland. This is literally a hometown fight. Okay. Um, Yeah, Dan Hooker, the minus 155 favorite against our good friend, the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder, plus 125 underdog. Good friend. Uh, yeah, good friend. We have a picture to prove it. Mm-hmm. I, I I implore you to prove that Paul Felder is not our friend. And I also recommend recommend you not to shake his hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel like if uh, he heard you say that, the next time you met him and he knew it was you, yeah, he would squeeze your hand. It would be, be so painful. Maybe he saw you coming. Because we, we, the three of us met Paul Felder at USC Chicago. They were doing like a meet and greet thing outside. We got a picture with Paul Felder. But Brendan says Paul Felder has a weak handshake. What if Paul Felder saw you coming and is like, this is a little bitch. I don't want to fucking break his brittle ass hand. <laughs> Gave you a weak ass handshake. That's I'm not sure, an excuse. I guarantee that it's one of those things where he doesn't want to hurt people's hands. <laughs> you don't even have to fucking squeeze my hand to death. Just give me a firm handshake. To be fair, his idea of a firm handshake might hurt your hand. So do you think it was just a, a particularly weak handshake or just not a strong one? It was not good at all. It was very soft. See, I don't even Here, I didn't even This is how it was. So you should no, get like you, a lady. You did it more tight like you did it more it was literally this. So you guys are just like touching hands basically. <laughs> when I go for a handshake, I just go like this. Damn, that's aggressive. That's a really fucking strong handshake. You almost broke my hand there. It it's just Here, let me now I have to show you my standard handshake. That's good. Okay, I could go with that. <laughs> Buju has a stronger handshake than Paul Felder, and that just goes to show Paul Felder and step up his handshake game. I'm sure that if Paul Felder wanted to, he could have a much stronger handshake than the both of you. Um, I'm sure he just didn't want to hurt you, friend. But what were what, what was the path we were going down? We're making picking picks. this fight. <laughs> but Buju, now go. I'm writing down the episode title, which is Paul Felder's We Can't Shake. Um, Excuse me. Dan Hooker's four losses in the UFC are all two very good strikers. Edson Barboza, um, I'm fucking forgetting. Jason Knight, Yair Rodriguez, Maximo Blanco. Four very good strikers. Two of them, I would say, are elite strikers in Yair Rodriguez and Edson Barboza. Uh, It's wild, though, that he fought Yair in... uh, Never mind. I forgot that he fought at uh, featherweight for a while. So I think Paul Felder, pretty comparable to those guys. I don't know if he's quite at the level striking-wise as Paul Felder and Yair Rodriguez, but I think he's comparable to Maximo Blanco and Jason Knight. Paul Felder's been around forever. He's a very good striker, which seems to be Dan Hooker's kryptonite. Um, And obviously, I just said he's been around forever. The experience factor leans in Paul Felder's favor. Paul Felder's fought a lot of very good guys in this division and in the UFC. I would say Dan Hooker's lost to the two best fighters that he's fought. I'm going to pick Paul Felder as the underdog in this one. I think he's in the twilight of his career. I think this could be a nice mantelpiece victory to uh, get on the back nine of his career. I think Paul Felder takes a win in Auckland, upsets the home crowd. I have Paul Felder. I'm trying to understand what I wrote. Brendan can't understand his own notes. It's a tough look. <laughs> okay. They, okay. 
my MMA math, but they both fought Edson Barboza, but Felder came out with the win, and Hooker. Well, Hook, Hook. Uh, what? Paul Felder also lost Edson Barboza before. Oh, so that was the second fight. Yep. But yeah, more recently. Yeah, more recently. I'm, I don't yeah, the first that. match, he had his uh, family jewels rearranged. Oh, yeah. Spinning dick kick that I heard in the second fucking deck. That's awful. Is, From Edson Barboza. Ugh. That's a nightmare. But Hooker was finished. <laughs> Felder won. And saying that, just more recent, off the recency, I'm going to go with Felder. They also have a both common opponent where Hooker won via finish and Felder oh. just won via decision. I just don't remember who it was. So I try to do MMA math, but then like it never Tucker. adds up. Uh, he... F- Dan Hooker finished James Vick, whereas Paul yeah, Felder it's Vic. Uh, oh. only beat him by decision. Also, they have a third common opponent, that being Ross Pearson. Paul Felder lost, whereas Dan Hooker finished him in the second round. This would be such an easy pick for me if Paul Felder didn't lose to Mike Perry. <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> have even been a question. Yeah, I. but to be fair, I mean, that's also a welterweight, albeit yeah. a smaller welterweight, and on short notice. But And Mike Perry stinks. Uh, yeah. I am actually going to go with Dan Hooker here. I think he's been extremely impressive in his move to lightweight. He's only lost one fight, that being against Edson Barboza, which, to be fair, is the best guy that he's fought in the UFC. Um, I think that in his last two fights, he's looked very good, including the absolutely derailing the hype train that once was James Vick and then putting on a master class against Ally Quinta in October. I think that he's fighting in his hometown. I think City Kickboxing is one of the best gyms in the world right now. They're doing something right over there. And I think that Dan Hooker is going to get a huge win in front of his home crowd. Was there an actual hype train around Mike Vick? James Vick. James Vick. <laughs> Mike Vick. There, there, was there was a, a huge hype train around Mike Vick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that there was a legitimate hype around James Vick when he was coming up. Yeah, I think Outside he was, of you two? He was being built up as a legit contender, yeah. Yeah. This is just because it's happening now, and I don't want to forget it, and I wanted to mention it to Brendan. My only beef with the stages in NASCAR is that the caution laps after a stage ends count. That was six caution laps after the stage ended for a fake caution. But anyways, um, who do you think is the most exciting fighter in the UFC right now? Is it Francis Ngannou? I guess it depends what type of exciting you're looking for because if you're looking for a constant action fighter to you when you see a fighter on the card and i'm not necessarily saying from like a i love this fighter standpoint like a conor mcgregor or something when you see somebody on the card you know this fight is going to be exciting who is that guy for you i think it's justin gaethje yeah because you know it's going to be a he's either going to get finished spectacularly or he's going to win in a wild brawl Mm mm-hmm that's a good one. Although, I mean, he's been a bit more technical as of late, taking less yeah. damage in the process. I think Yair Rodriguez is in that discussion. He's a little bit more of a... I think I the know. Korean zombie's up there. Zombie's definitely Max. up there. Max. Um, Francis, like I mentioned. Yeah. As of recent, Francis, Masvidal. Though, because it would be... Uh, yeah, Masvidal recently. But with Francis, it's the fact that you're trying to see if he can lift this guy up off the ground like he did on Yeah, It's anticipation week. more than excitement, I guess. When's the when's the shot coming? Mm-hmm. Mine would be Conor McGregor, and that's hard to argue too. We mm-hmm. have we haven't had a boring Conor McGregor fight, win or lose. I don't think. Yeah, Sorry. I agree. I, I feel like it's a Nagano situation, just to a lesser extent. When is he going to land the left hand, or when is he going to 
put him to the ground and to TKO him. He's obviously not probably going to knock somebody out clean, but when is he going to get the TKO? I feel like that's the thing with Connor. That it's also anticipation, but I also like to see just the way he strikes. Even if he's not gonna knock somebody out, if it's a five round war, just the way he strikes, I feel like that's very fairly entertaining. Similar yeah, to like I enjoy the movement that he brings in the octagon too. Yeah. The way that he bounces around, and I like Max because he brings it every single second. He doesn't back down. Same with Korean Zombie. There's a lot of very fun guys to watch. Robbie Lawler. And if when's the last time Robbie Lawler even fought? When he's in his heyday, for sure. When he he's lost very to exciting. Colby in the summer. Holy Which crap, that was a awful. while ago. Uh, um, if you had to, though, recommend one fighter for a new or potential new UFC fan to watch their next fight, who would it be? So am I picking one fight or am I saying, take this fighter, binge watch their fights? No, I'm saying you need to watch this ne- guy's next fight. Oh. And you don't necessarily know who the opponent is, you're saying. Yes, unless you know their opponent, like in the case of Francis. I Conor guess. McGregor. It's just That's so obvious, though. Everybody knows who Conor McGregor is. You know what I mean? Like they, You don't have to tell them to watch Conor's next fight. They already know that. I would say Justin Gaethje, the same answer as I had for most exciting fighter. I think that goes both ways, though, because I also think that that's a pro- really good probable, probable next fight is Gaethje versus Conor. So that's a fair point, too. If I you're hope. trying to predict. Let's do that. Is it- uh, I'm okay with that, honestly. The now that we're a bit closer, I think I feel a lot better after that cowboy fight. What was that? Um, what about oh. this thing that people are trying to speak Diego Sanchez against Conor McGregor into existence? That's fucking Conor McGregor's fault. He tweeted Conor McGregor versus Diego Sanchez. Shut up, you fucking I get, asshole. I almost said a different. Even word. then, though, that was it's not a move. It doesn't need to be. No. If it is. I would be actually disgusted by his he actions. Gets, he gets knocked out within two minutes. It's That just happens. Within a minute. By the way, I called that shit with Diego Sanchez this last weekend. I said he has no business winning that this fight. He should get his ass kicked, but he's Diego Sanchez, so he's going to win in some bullshit fashion, and he won in the most bullshit fashion you can fucking win in. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Didn't he say like he was asking the ref if he quits? Yeah, he wins via disqualification. And his corner advice between rounds, his coach was his new coach. He left Jackson Wink to go to this guy. His, the coach's advice was like, "Be a shadow," <laughs> shit like that. It's what? Like, go in there and be a shadow. Be, get sticky. I, I saw a get few sticky. videos. Like this that. guy looks like uh, what's his name that did all those uh, movies in like the eighties. Just some BS action. What is it? Jean Claude uh, Van Damme. Steven Seagal. Oh, okay. <laughs> just I mean, absolute BS martial arts. It's fucking hippie MMA shit. Like, like BJ Penn with his bullshit tip, fucking tiptoe to the tool. Oh my god, tip throw. Oh my god, I'm gonna slow down. I'm gonna take a breath. I'm gonna collect myself, and I'm gonna say the phrase "tiptoe through the tulips" fighting stance that BJ Penn redebuted with when he got his ass kicked by Frankie Edgar. It, and I think Connor kind of touched on it a little bit when he was doing his movement shit that he's gotten away from. I hope. Mm-hmm. Fighters somehow, because fighters are dumb, they fall into these bullshit tactics like be a shadow and get sticky. And they're like, "Yeah, this this guy has the secret. This guy knows. I have to go in there and be a shadow and get sticky. That's the to fucking fair, key. That That's the like fucking it, seed." And then you go in there and you exactly ask exactly like what Diego Sanchez needed to hear. Yeah, get sticky. And he was not a shadow. He got beat very bad, and he only won because. Pereira was yeah. pretty dumb. He got beat up by three rounds. Pereira's a very dumb fighter, too. He might fall into the fucking get sticky lifestyle at some point, too. <laughs> he might. But at least he's very exciting. Yeah, something like that. All right. You want to do the plugs, friend? 
Sure, I can do that. When did I transition to this being my job? I don't know. I got tired of doing it. <laughs> so I started have, asking you if you wanted to do it and you started doing it. Um, all right. Don't so, consider it a job. Uh, if, huh? It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Yeah, sure. You want me to do it again? I can fucking go back to my roots. If you want to do it, go for it, friend. So you can follow us on social media at Untitled Trish, MMA. Hey, buddy. Kiss my butt. It's better than what I would do. But you okay. can follow us on social media at Untitled MMA on Twitter and Instagram, Untitled MMA on Facebook. We're actively trying to get more active. Actively trying to get more active. I don't know if that's the smoothest way to say that, but there's an initiative to be more active on our social media platforms. Uh, so check that out. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Getting back into the YouTube game. Still working on that. But uh, all those platforms. Yeah, I noticed today we haven't posted on YouTube yeah. in like two months. I only said that because you said something about our YouTube page earlier. I was like, fuck, you looked. <laughs> but all those platforms. Yeah, I've been plugging YouTube for the last like two months. <laughs> and now that he's had his laptop back, I thought we were back on it. But no. We are available on all those platforms. You can check out the Untitled MMA podcast there. If you enjoy the podcast, the best way to help it out, the easiest way to help us out, and the cheapest way to help us out is to... Uh, rate, review, and subscribe on those platforms. It only takes you a second. Help a brother out, as they say in the streets. And also tell a friend tell if you have friends that, that like MMA, because I feel like that's yeah. a thing. Subscribe, uh, and unsubscribe, and then resubscribe. You can do that. Yeah, send, we'll take anything we can get. Send Bryce a selfie at BD or B Davis XC. Just send him a selfie. He'll like it. <laughs> I I might give you a like, but I also might ask why you're doing this. Okay, I think we did it, friends. All right. Did we do it? Anybody have anything else? I think do you want to talk about it. any non-MMA topics? No, I don't think I have anything this week. Okay, I don't think I do either. All I, I just want to say, before we started this podcast, Buju said this one might be a short one. And I tell him, like it, he says every time, that this might be a short one. To be fair, it is a short that, one. How, how long is this 49 so minutes. That's still pretty lengthy for not having pretty much any news to we, talk about. We stretched it out. We talked yeah. about most exciting fighter, fucking heavyweight for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. But we always make it work. So uh, there used to be a time where we could not stretch it out past 20 minutes, no matter how much news there was. But now we can get an easy 45-minute minimum. So give your, give your boys some feedback. Let us know what you think. For Bryce, for Brendan, I'm Buju. This was the Untitled MMA Podcast. And it's a wrap. For... Ha, 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 ha.